Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you are listening to Call Talk for Wednesday, September 15th, 2010. Thanks for joining us today. Our topic today is outsourcing. During the call, we wanted to invite you to ask questions via email at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com or chat with us on calltalk.tv. Or you can call in and ask me a question and interact with the show, and it's easy. Just call 347 857 3117. Make sure you press the number 1 on your phone to let me know that you have a question. Everyone who asks a question today, email or phone on the show, will receive a free copy of Bruce's book, Benchmarking at its Best. And one person will be chosen at random to win an in-depth reality check benchmarking report valued at $1,500. And now, I'd like to introduce the host of the show, Bruce Belfior. Thanks, Brian, and we're delighted to have you as the new producer of Call Talk, uh, bringing new music and helping uh, Sean Beerling, who, uh, poor guy, has been the long-suffering producer of our show. My <laughs> so, pleasure. Anyway. Great to be here. <laughs> okay, good. Well, welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is uh, outsourcing. Uh, which communication should you consider entrusting to a partner? And to discuss this, I'm delighted to welcome John Chatterley. Uh, John has appeared several times as a guest on Call Talk, and he's a director of research and analysis for Benchmark Portal and a seasoned industry consultant specializing in contact center performance research as well as technical writing and content editing. Uh, he's published numerous customized reports, uh, research reports, one-minute surveys, white papers, and has also co-authored numerous books with Dr. John Anton, including one titled Offshore outsourcing opportunities, hence he knows what he speaks about. Uh, his career spans more than 20 years, and he has firsthand experience at all levels of contact center, from uh, frontline technical support agent, supervisor, analyst, designer, etc. In fact, he set up and managed two outsourced call centers in the western part of the United States, so he knows a lot about this topic, and he's got the lash marks on his back to prove it. Uh, John, welcome back to the program. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. And uh, I just uh, have one uh, one comment. You said uh, I know what I talk about. Does that uh, does that contradict uh, the notion that I knew what I was talking about in the past? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're all into continuous improvement, John. Right? <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> anyway, well, plus, John, is it true that you're starring in the new uh, TV sitcom on outsourcing? Is that what I heard? <laughs> <laughs> well, they offered me a spot. As a main boot sergeant supervisor, but I had to decline. Oh, oh really? Oh, really? Well, now, why is that? Uh, well, they wanted me to push through an accent neutralization course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn. I was hoping to see you win an Emmy on this one, John. And uh, actually, come to think of it, it wouldn't have been a bad idea to do that course either. <laughs> oh, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. John, what, what do you see as the primary motivators that uh, drive companies to uh, outsource uh, certain of their calls? Uh, that's a terrific question, Bruce, but as, as related to call centers, the answer is not as easy as one might first uh, assume. 
Traditionally, co companies uh, adopted outsourcing as a means of reducing the cost of their contact center operation where the labor component of their operating budget approaches as much as two-thirds of their entire annual operating expense. Yeah, so, which is a, it's a normal level there, too. I mean, it is usually yeah. 60 to 70 percent, isn't it? Yeah. It yeah. is. It is. Uh, the, uh, the types of calls they outsource for basic customer calls, such as store location, hours of operation, product availability, and so forth, that didn't require uh, anything more than minimal training uh, of their agents to deliver scripted answers. Uh, however, over the past decade, outsourcing providers, which are also uh, sometimes known as third-party providers, have shown a, an increasing ability to provide highly qualified college-educated, professionally trained agents for duties such as complex customer interactions like technical support, account transactions, telemarketing, and uh, so forth. And these providers, third-party providers, have developed a specialized competency for providing customer service for issues that reside outside the core competency of the companies that they uh, work for. Yeah, actually, haven't there been, there's been kind of a pincer thing that's been going on here? Because on the one hand, all those quote-unquote easy calls uh, are ones that probably in any event should be pushed towards self-service. So there's been a, an increasing use of uh, uh, technology to take those up at a very low cost, even lower than you can outsource it for either domestically or offshore. And on the other hand, uh, there's been an upgrading of the skills of the, the outsourcers. True. Very, very, very true. Yeah. And, and as a published author in the field, uh, what have you found to be the attitudes of executives toward outsourcing customer service? Have they been changing over the years? Uh, what are people yes, feeling today? Uh, well, uh, we, uh, at the time, uh, John, uh, Dr. John and I, uh, wrote and published a book on uh, outsourcing, we found that uh, there was a prevailing attitude uh, uh, by the majority of executives that they indicated that they would never outsource customer service to a third-party provider, uh, which was a reaction that wasn't, uh, that was not unexpected. But what is surprising to us uh, since is that Nearly 40% of the executives uh, surveyed in a recent survey indicated that outsourcing customer service made good sense to them because the decision makers believed that the third-party provider could uh, com uh, complete the job function either more effectively, uh, more efficiently, or hopefully both mm, better, mm. better than they could. Yeah. And the, the reason that they believe this is because third-party providers focus specifically and primarily on that aspect of business that they specialize in, and therefore uh, they are an expert in providing the service. The outsourcer typically has worked with many customers with exact or similar needs and challenges and thus has the advantage of repeated experience to gain valuable knowledge and mm -hmm. to perform the task and the business function better than companies can do internally on their own. Yeah, so, I mean, it sort of follows that old adage, which is uh, do what you do best and outsource the rest, right? Uh, exactly, exactly. Because this is an outsource uh, provider's core competency, they have established and developed the people, the tools, the processes, and the technology that they need 
to provide better service than the companies that have uh, a complex and multiple business functions, uh, mm -hmm. some of which are not uh, the primary uh, considered primary for the company. Right, right. Well, you know, if we we then move on, there's sort of the the big backdrop to uh, out, outsourcing. So if we uh, move on to address the main focus of the discussion, which is which communications uh, should the folks listening uh, consider entrusting to a partner? What ones would you uh, would you have them at least think about? Well, there are there are a plethora, if I can use that word. Uh, mm -hmm. Different you services. <laughs> Thank you. We'll, we'll put it in the glossary next time around. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, then, uh, of, of different communications that you could uh, that the, the a company uh, uh, can consider, including customer service, technical support, collections, uh, and on and on. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't take time to list them all, but uh, to me, the most, the first and most obvious type of Communication that companies should considering out, uh, consider for outsourcing is uh, non-native non language services because of the growing diversity of our American culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can see that, and uh, we've actually talked about that on other shows. Uh, you know how people are handling uh, foreign language calls and uh, how difficult it is really to have that capability in-house, and uh, that there's really two ways to approach that. One is to uh, outsource a, a, uh, an interpretation service, in which case you're still using your uh, agent on the call, but you're putting somebody in between you and the caller. And the other is just uh, having trained agents in the other language uh, who can actually uh, service the customers in those languages. So there's, there's even two possibilities there. So Yes, and I've, I've been exposed to them uh, through some of the... Uh Engagements that uh, I've had uh, through Benchmark Portal, where uh, where companies have uh, come to us to ask for our assistance in helping them uh, mm -hmm. identify and select uh, outsourcing partners. Uh, but uh, to to go back to your uh, previous question, other areas that are ripe for outsourcing because of their non-core competency nature include. Uh, um, Include new product releases or uh, seasonal spikes, promotional mm -hmm. campaigns, things like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So things that uh, might be uh, other kinds of competencies, collections, uh, telemarketing, uh, things that may not fall into your, your basic competence. Well, one of the things, too, that I feel, John, uh, you can tell me what you think, but it, it's almost like uh, when you're listening to the rhythm of your call center, and you hear things that don't sound quite right, like when your car, you know, has this little uh, rattle. Uh, and, and, or it's like listening to your body when you're pushing it too hard. If you listen to your center and listen to your reports, it'll tell you when your center is out of whack and when maybe something needs to be repaired by somebody on the outside. You know, it's one of those things that you can't do yourself. And, and I look at it on two dimensions. One is functional. And uh, what functions does it make? Uh, sense to look at for your center. What, what's your cost structure telling you uh, when you do your benchmarking and you see that your cost per call is just way out of whack with your industry grouping? What do your workforce management reports tell you? And uh, I happen to be in Minneapolis right now uh, where it's thundering and lightning <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hopefully it will clear up. But uh, downstairs in the hotel, 
Uh, Adam Tinkowski, who's been on our show uh, twice, is teaching a fabulous new course on workforce management. And he has one graphic that shows the base level of calls that you can always handle efficiently yourself. And then uh, he's got this part up top that's uh, very spiky. I mean, it looks like a kid with spiky hair, uh, mm-hmm. which are the volumes you need to think about. You know, And those are the ones that you can handle in various different ways. And one way uh, could be to outsource those. Um, so yeah, you know, those are the things that I think of. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, uh, outsourcing companies uh, are specialized uh, in in that kind of uh, of. Uh, Call type. Uh, that, that's really where they find their niche uh, and develop their specializations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the other thing that I, I think of too is uh, that there's this functional dimension uh, that you where you listen to your call center, you listen and, and look at your reports, all of them uh, from your ACD, from your WFM, that can tell you, hey, you know, or or your your benchmarking report. You know, if your benchmarking report comes back. You're in the lower uh, left-hand corner, and you are least less effective. Uh, as to say, you have lower quality and higher costs than your industry overall. Well, you know that that could be telling you something. At least consider doing your outsourcing. Um, and, and and another thing is the uh, what I call the relationship dimension. And don't worry, John, I'm not going to start talking about eat, pray, <laughs> love, or <laughs> kumbaya or anything like that. Uh, but you know, it's like any relationship. Uh, sometimes you may, on a functional level, say, I need to outsource all of this stuff or a big chunk of this stuff. But on a relationship level, you want to start slowly. You want to see if you can trust somebody with some simple things. And then as they perform well, you can trust them with more complex things, sort of like uh, teenagers with cars, right? You build up from small errands in the uh, family jalopy to uh, to bigger runs in the nice car, right? And uh, Yeah, well... Um, that that's a great analogy. Uh, in my case, it goes. Uh, you know, my father went back even a little further. He uh, he put me on a tractor on the farm and uh, and waited until I was able to navigate around the farm on the tractor before he even trusted me to drive in the pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to try to top you that, and I don't know, talk about oxen and plows, but maybe yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. You've got me. Um, yeah, well, you know, uh, I think another thing that we've seen is that there's a lot of professionalism that's been growing up in the industry. Uh, you and I have worked on uh, RFPs together on behalf of clients, and um, uh, they've really become so much more professional in terms of them being able to present themselves uh, and their capabilities and really sort of blanket you with uh, relationship, uh, techni- technolo- technological know-how and everything in a way that uh, wasn't really true, as true a decade ago. So, uh, Yes, very, very, very true. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's where you were, right, John? I mean, you were in a, uh, a center uh, that was an outsource center for... Uh, actually, uh, several several of them over a span span of uh, eight or, uh, seven or eight years. So, uh, yes, uh, we, uh, we developed uh, a great deal of, uh, of, uh, of uh, specialization for some very large uh, companies uh, to take over parts of their business that they uh, really weren't, uh, really didn't possess the expertise in, and, uh, and we won accolades for it. So, uh, yes, uh, mm-hmm. uh, outsourcing is, isn't isn't the uh, the uh, the 
it isn't it doesn't have the definition or the perception that it did uh, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think so. The takeaway here is that there are a number of call types that you may want to look at in terms of, uh, you know, technical support, collections, telemarketing, uh, promotional campaigns, seasonal spikes, new product releases, and, and the one that you mentioned is the first, the non-native language services. So, uh, you know, I think that's a takeaway for people. And uh, the other thing is thinking about those things in function of uh, what you're learning from your reports and what your, your, your operations and your center and your reports are all telling you, and, uh, and that those can be the things that really help you to decide what kinds of communications you can profitably or appropriately outsource. And that includes uh, communications not only for calls but also for emails, right, John, and chat? Yes, uh, I mean outsourcers. Outsourcers uh, these days are providing the uh, the capabilities for all of the main uh, contact channels, which include, as you mentioned, uh, email and chat. And uh, and uh, even 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 though uh, domestically those channels have gained popularity because of uh, the lower cost per contact. Uh, when you combine that with the reduced costs of, uh, you know, that outsourcers can bring to the table, both domestically and offshore, uh, and, the, and, and have to, to, to be competitive, uh, it's a very uh, attractive alternative to trying to do it uh, in-house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and the other thing is the ability to monitor is so much better now than it was uh, 10 or 15 years ago, again, because of the technology. And so you can really be much more in control uh, of your outsourcer than you used to be, and they expect that. I mean, they, they don't resent it, I think, the way they may have in the past. Uh, would you agree with that, John? Uh, oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, most outsourcers these days uh, approach the relationship as a partnership. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they work with you to help you uh, do your job better, and you work with them to help them to have them help you uh, do the job that you uh, hire them for uh, uh, at, at a better at a better standard. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's good. You know, thinking about that too, I was just at the uh, uh, International Association of Reservations Executives in Nashville. My son heard the word reservations, and he said, oh, great, you're going to an Indian powwow. And I said, no, not exactly. <laughs> These are people who are hotel and, uh, you know, cruise lines, that sort of thing. And uh, I've got a very exciting uh, partnership lined up with them. And uh, one of the members of the board, uh, I was kind of surprised at first to, to see, was, in fact, an outsourcer. And uh, yet, on the other hand, he was just as animated about all the exact same issues as the people who were representing in-house call centers, because he has all those same issues, and wow. uh, he has really partnered in the way that you were just talking about. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. We've got some questions coming in. In fact, uh, Brian is here telling me, uh, Bruce, let's let's get to them. So, Brian, what, what's our first question? Okay, yeah, I just want to remind everyone once again, uh, if you're listening in on calltalk.tv or if you've called in with your phone, uh, we'd love to hear from you. That's a big part of the show is to have you interact with our, our subject matter experts here. So make sure you do that and uh, get the most out of your, your call today. Now, we do have a call or actually a question. This is from Stan, and his question is, given the lack of available jobs in the U.S., do you see a trend with companies bringing their centers back in-house? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, John, you want to handle that one first? Well, well um, uh, from my perspective, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a, a big trend develop there yet, but it certainly appear, uh, would appear to me that companies would be taking a look at that, um, uh, at bringing uh, calls that have been uh, outsourced uh, back in-house as a way of retaining their staffing. Uh, once, once they lose these people, uh, it can be uh, costly to hire and retrain them. So if they can, if they can uh, uh, do that, uh, uh, you know, bring bring that part of their business uh, back on shore. Uh, I would imagine that it wouldn't be a that it would be a no-brainer for them uh, to to do that. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, the reasons that they went offshore in the first place or outsourced in the first first place is, is possibly because they didn't have the uh, expertise to handle those kind of calls. And if that turns out to be the case, then, uh, then I wouldn't expect them to bring them back uh, because that might uh, result in a lowering of uh, their, uh, their standard customer service, uh, uh, which could then lead to loss of business, and that's the last thing they can afford. Mm. Yeah, if I could just interject too that uh, I'm seeing a bit of everything, and I follow a number of reports. And we did a uh, study uh, several years ago with uh, C.B. Richard Ellis, uh, which talked about the fact that in certain employment basins, when you get above, I think it was about five percent of the working population in that employment basin working in call centers, you get dysfunctions, and uh, that means uh, pressures on wages, people skipping from one center to the other. Phoenix was like this, Charlotte, a number of uh, Tampa Bay, a number of uh, centers were like that. Well, with the recession, uh, I'm sorry, who was our caller, Brian, here? Who was our uh, listener? Stan. Stan, okay. With that happening, Stan, obviously uh, in many places that pressure has gone down. And so those places have become more attractive places to perhaps build staff in an existing center uh, than they were uh, even just a couple of years ago. So uh, we are seeing, or I am seeing some of that happening. Uh, I'm seeing some uh, people bring things back on shore in-house, back on shore outsourced. And let's keep in mind that there's thousands and thousands of seats in the United States that are outsourced. And uh, there's a little bit of everything going on now where people are trying to find the right solutions for them. But uh, I think that due to the recession, the phenomenon that you're talking about, uh, to a certain extent, does exist. Uh, got another question, Brian? I sure do. And this one also comes from calltalk.tv. This one is from Greg. He, he asks, we have a fairly small operation, 65 agents, and we are involved with several call types, including collections. No one in the center likes doing collections calls, Is this a good enough enough reason to outsource these calls, and how do I convince my boss to try it? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm not going to refer these to my cousins in New Jersey. Go on, John. You you answer this one. Go ahead. Uh, Well, I was going to suggest to Greg that he might try asking his boss how he likes to respond. Now, his boss likes to receive a collection call from an unfriendly agent. <laughs> Seriously, though, if no one in this, your center likes making a collection call, chances are they're not very good at it and may end up alienating the customer and driving away future business. 
there are third-party providers out there that specializing specialize in handling collections in a way that the customer is not made to feel negatively toward the company. So I suggest that you contact several, several of them and ask for their help in convincing your boss of the benefit of outsourcing your collection calls. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's uh, very good advice. And, uh, you know, I think of a company like Capital One uh, that really made a specialty of taking other people's collections problems in the car, uh, the card business, the credit card business, and trying to actually turn those people into good customers uh, later on. Of course, they did it with a fairly hefty discount. But, uh, you know, uh, John's right. If people hate doing it, they're probably not very good at it. And the results are probably showing that. Uh, and they can always do a sample, in other words, uh, do a, a pilot with an outsourcer and compare the success of the outsourcer with the success of their internal agents. At that point, they can actually show the boss, uh, you know, that the bottom line is getting better because of the outsourcing. So, uh, speaking, uh, speaking of pilot uh, operations, Bruce, uh, uh, I believe that uh, that I, well, I know because I've seen as well as as had experience in doing pilot uh, pilot tests before uh, a, a, as a way to lead into uh, an outsourcing uh, situation. Mm -hmm. Because uh, most outsourcers realize uh, that they've got to prove uh, prove the concept and prove the value if they're going to keep the business. So. Uh, uh, I, I would not be at all surprised uh, to see an outsourcer offering uh, right up front, let's do a pilot for you, let's show you what we can do, and then you can decide if you want to continue. So I think it's a great idea. Yeah, uh, they're dipping the toes in. I agree with you, John. Okay. Uh, Brian, do you have another question for us? Yeah, it looks like we have time to squeak another one in here. This call uh, or this uh, question comes in from Monique. And uh, she says, we have identified a queue of calls to outsource, about 600,000 calls per year. We are not required to do a full RFP, and we have little time or resources for a big process. What can you suggest? Well, Bruce, you want to you take the lead on this, or you want me to pick it up? Sure. Well, let, let me uh, just say a couple of words, and then I'll hand it over to you, and that is that um, I think uh, with that kind of volume of calls that uh, an RFP process of, of uh, even if it's a cut-down RFP process, or it's one that you get help with, is one that's definitely worth doing, uh, because uh, we've helped with a good number of these processes. They're extremely educational. Uh, you are, are really hooking up with somebody who is your partner, and you don't want to get married without uh, dating and without, you know, knowing the field who else is out there. Uh, you know, really, you, you want to dance on the dance floor with a few people before you, uh, you know, decide who it is you're going to walk down the aisle with. So, um, you know, once – and it also is a process that forces you to fully define your own goals so that they're well understood. And, uh, you know, with a few pro good proposals in hand, your management team can uh, quickly identify a vendor that seems really best suited, suited for your needs. So I would not uh, skip that process. I, you can't. There are ways, and we've done it, to uh, abbreviate the process, but to get uh, most of the benefit of it. Uh, John, over, over to you. Uh, well, you know, uh, I, I completely agree with you, Bruce. Uh, Having an RFP, even if it's a cut-down or simplified one, 
uh, will help because it'll force you to design your uh, to uh, define uh, the goals that you want to achieve. Uh, but uh, uh, also, uh, I think it's important to arrange an interview uh, with several of uh, the clients of a prospective outsourcer to learn how well they've been served and to keep, uh, keep in mind the fact that you can contract for a fixed price uh, a fixed service level agreement. Uh, within internal employees, you pay regardless of the service they provide, so, but with a customer service provider, you can more easily ensure uh, the performance up front. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, those are important things. And, uh, you know, I have seen situations with outsourcers that have gone beautifully and situations with outsourcers that have really been tragic. And uh, in all the tragic cases, it could have been avoided had the proper due diligence been done up front. So we're big believers in that, uh, you know, sort of lining up your ducks, doing your analysis first. And, well, uh, and I, 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 should, I, I should just throw in uh, for our listeners that if any of them in their call centers are considering this, uh, uh, we'd be glad to help. We've uh, we've had a lot of experience in helping companies uh, go through this process, and so we invite them to uh, to contact us. Not that I'm trying to make a commercial pitch, but, uh, but no, no, no. We we do. <laughs> never, never, right? This is we, a vendor-free zone here. But no, I think the the thing is, it oftentimes brings in angst that uh, goes beyond the norm in a call center because you know that when you're going through the process, you're going to have to interact with your technical people, with your finance people, with your contracting people, with uh, your operations people, uh, workforce management people. It, it, it's so uh, oftentimes it's it's too much of a burden, really, for. Uh, the day-to-day -day call center management to handle on their own. So, um, you know, that's something to think about. And, and the other thing that we have seen, too, is that people have sometimes wanted to uh, see whether their outsourcer is or could be certified. And uh, that's something also you may want to think about. There's uh, some certification programs out there, including our own, which can give you a higher degree of comfort uh, and your senior management that you're trying to convince, right? A higher degree of comfort that, right. in fact, uh, these people are quality and they know what they're doing and they're going to handle your calls with the same kind of care and attention that you, you would handle your own. Yep. Uh, and uh, just to get out of the uh, commercialization, uh, we're not the only ones that can provide that service. There are some some excellent uh the consultants out there that are in the position to work with the center and help them uh, go through the outsourcing uh, uh, selection process. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, good. Well, you know, we've uh, come to the bottom of the hour. And, uh, uh, Brian, uh, John, I want to thank you very much for your insights, as always. Uh, it's, uh, it's always a delight to be on with you. And uh, thank our listeners for being on. And, uh, uh, Brian, over to Thorough pleasure. Thank you, Bruce. Okay, well, yeah, okay. once again, uh, thanks, Bruce. And uh, also, John, once again, thank you for uh, joining us on today's show and want to thank all the listeners that have joined us today. And I uh, want to remind you to uh, join us September 29th for the next call talk titled Stop Butchering Your Incentive Plans, uh, Get the Science Behind the Results, No Holds Barred Conversation with Employee Motivation Guru, Dr. Brooks Mitchell. If we used your question today, please email us at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com so we can send you Bruce's book, 
benchmarking at its best. And don't forget to sign up for our free reality check. The benchmark report to see how well your call center compares to others in the industry. Our in-depth reality check benchmark report takes a much deeper dive into the call center's metrics and is free today for our winner. That is Stan. So Stan, once again, make sure you email me so I can get that out to you at uh, calltalkandbenchmarkportal.com. I'm Brian Carrington, hoping everyone has a wonderful day. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.